This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing these episodes with your friends and network. We pray that each week you are strengthened in a greater way, and we would love to hear feedback on how this podcast has ministered to you. Email us, somebodycares at somebodycares.org. Be sure to check out today's episode notes. Those are located at charismapodcastnetwork.com forward slash show forward slash a word in season. Now let's lean in and listen today as Doug shares life-giving principles learned through a friendship that have since become Somebody Cares DNA seen throughout our network, and you can apply them in your life and city to see others transformed as well. Well, here we are into 2021, and I'm reflecting on the last four decades, 40 years. In fact, it was in 1981 when I had a personal encounter with the Lord that literally changed the trajectory of my life. Who would have thought 40 years later I'd be where I am today and being a part of the things I get to be involved in around the world? In this podcast, I'm not going to get into all the details of the encounter that I had, but I want to move forward into what God has done these last 40 years, literally changing my life, redirecting my focus and purpose and transitioning me from being in the marketplace or in the business world into the place of now what has become the ministries of Turning Point Ministries International and Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International. In fact, from our beginnings in the early 1980s, we made ongoing efforts to network ministries and churches. I just knew that was a part of my core value, to see the body of Christ truly come together. In fact, some of what I'm going to share today on this podcast actually comes from what I've written in my book, Mending the Net, Bringing Hope in a Hurting World, that just came out. So as I previously stated, from our beginnings in 1981, we made ongoing efforts to network ministries and churches and organizations. And by the mid-1980s, we were serving alongside other ministries on a regular basis. Relationships blossomed and strengthened as we all work together in weekly street evangelism, outreaches, compassion ministries. It was amazing to see so many unsung soldiers or unsung heroes of the gospel of good news being reached out to prostitutes, drug addicts, street kids, runaways, and the list goes on. It went on for years. And the synergy of these relationships that were building God's kingdom rather than personal kingdoms has grown exponentially, not just in the greater Houston area, but the principles have spread across America and around the world. I have found so many true heroes and champions of compassion, champions of prayer, champions of outreach, who truly have a passion for God that has given them a compassion for hurting people. I remember starting in 1986, and for quite a few years afterwards, we sponsored an annual spiritual impact conference and evangelism conference to link inner city ministries and churches along with mainline suburban churches. We provided a place to share strategies and establish a system of referral to help those in need throughout our city. I remember someone said to me, it will not work and it will not last. 
Well, here we are 40 years later. People told me that a conference focusing on unifying the body of Christ toward a common goal seemed far-fetched and it wouldn't work. Critics said churches and other ministries would not work together because they wanted to do their own thing. So I prayed about it and got together with other local ministers, and we decided that regardless of who might not cooperate, many would, and it was time to combine forces. So we set these goals. One, synergy. We recognize that unifying various ministries would enlarge and augment the efforts of each ministry working on its own and promote fruitfulness in our city. Secondly, referrals. We committed to establishing a referral list of proven ministries. And third, guidance. We endeavored to give guidance to people who wanted to serve God but didn't know how to. We called it burden versus vision. We also wanted to honor the local congregations and churches that had been serving and faithfully sacrificing to reach their communities. So we encouraged the people that got involved to support and to work alongside their local churches. The bottom line was and is to serve the people who need ministry. Too many times, we didn't know what to do with people who had AIDS or HIV runaways or church members whose children were involved in gangs or at-risk behavior. Certainly, every church and ministry couldn't operate its own hospice, its own feeding center, or home for unwed mothers. But linked together, these same churches and ministries were able to say, wait a minute, I know who can help you. We actually posed the question and created a theme in our city that said, area churches and ministries want you to know that somebody cares. And it caused curiosity to those who are unchurched to know who are these area churches and ministries. And it provoked a conviction to the local churches that said, well, we want to be one of those churches. So our annual conference allowed us to recognize ministries already functioning in our city. And in some cases, it birthed new ministry opportunities. As we combined the outreach efforts into one place, we discovered areas of need the church had not yet addressed. For example, God touched people's hearts to work with the Houston Police Department when we realized there were not many Christian groups active in dealing with gang problems. At one conference, John Hazard brought the audience to tears. He was the least likely person anyone would have expected to get saved. He had become a drug mule for some of the gangs, and he acquired AIDS from sharing needles while shooting drugs a habit acquired from the age of 14. Members of our ministry team worked with John when he became serious about God, and he became a changed man. When we hear the word holiness, we automatically think of external piety and religiosity. We debate things like long hair, short hair, long dresses, short dresses, makeup, no makeup, and different translations of the Holy Bible to decide which is most holy to us. But through some difficult encounters with needy people over the years, I've come to see that holiness is a lot more than the external niceties of proper church folks. Here is a story that illustrates this well. You see, when John Hazard came to our ministry, he was addicted to pharmaceutical drugs, cocaine, alcohol, cigarettes, and more. He had worked as a drug mule for the Crips and the Blood Gangs to support his habits. John had been diagnosed with HIV, and his doctor said he had only three to six months to live. By just about any standard, he was a mess. Reaching a point of desperation, he had gone to a number of churches and ministries for help, but over and over he received similar responses. We're really not equipped for that. We're sorry about your situation, but we don't know what to do. We don't know how to help you. Eventually, John found his way to our ministry and was probably shocked by our approach to helping him. Our first priority wasn't to get him off drugs or alcohol or any of these other addictions. We realized that all these external problems 
were just his way of compensating for his inner emptiness, and since he had only a few months to live, we set out to find ways to bring hope in his life and to give him a vision of direction and hope and ways to serve him. It was beautiful to see God's love touch the heart of this person who had nothing to give in return. As people from our ministry showed him honor and respect, the Lord began to deal with his pain and his emptiness. But for us, this meant looking past all sorts of external issues to reach his heart with the kindness of Jesus. I call this compensatory facades. We tend to compensate on the outside for the lack or the hurt on the inside. You see, John wanted to start reading the Bible, but his reading ability was extremely limited because he only had a third grade reading skill. So we got him a tutor, and she began by teaching him to read with an illustrated children's Bible. Here's an adult learning to read through a children's picture Bible. Back in those days, I had been invited to Houston Baptist University to speak to their evangelism classes. On this particular occasion, I decided to take John Hazard with me. Before I spoke, I told them I wanted John to speak and share a little bit of his own testimony because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. John shared a passage of Scripture telling the students how his tutor had taught him to read with a children's Bible. He described how the doctors gave him no more than six months to live, and yet on that particular day at Houston Baptist University, it had already been two years. Although his words came out slowly and haltingly, his story was powerful, and he had a commanding presence. By the end of John's sincere, heartfelt testimony, there was not a dry eye in those classes. You see, it's not just about our ability or our oratorical gifts. Powerful things happen when we strip away our outward facades and simply share God's Word and the wonderful thing He has done for us in our lives. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of our testimony. Instead of living just three to six months, John actually lived four more years. During that time, he went on 16 or 17 mission trips with us. On numerous occasions, he prayed for the sick and saw God bring healing and miracles. He became my personal top intercessor, especially when I was in ministry trips out of the country. My eyes still get misty when I think of the transformation God brought to John Hazard's life. As we simply served him and showed him unconditional love, we saw the Lord perform miracles in his life and all the ugly external habits broke off as he was transformed by God's great and amazing grace. You see, if our focus is only on the external piety, you're going to miss out on the true nature of holiness. First, you'll miss in your own life because you'll end up settling for religious facade instead of the characteristics of Christ. Like the hypocritical scribes and the Pharisees of Jesus' day, you'll become, what it says in Matthew 23, verse 27 and 28, like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. See, there's another unfortunate consequence of focusing on outward rather than inward holiness. You will miss out on the beautiful transformations possible for people like John Hazard, who initially established very unholy traits. When we began to meet John's external needs, God worked inside of him. You see, true holiness is a matter of personal consecration of our hearts to the Lord. It means saying to the Lord, whatever you want is yours. I devote myself fully to you and to your purposes. You see, what counts is not what we look like on the outside, but rather our hearts on the inside, the inward place of what God is doing with us 
inwardly will become manifest outwardly. We should have a heart like David's, of whom God himself testified, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will, Acts 13.22. Make no mistake about it. When you invite God into your life, he must be more than just a guest. He must become the owner. He must hold the title deed and the right to everything you have and everything you are. True holiness means you've offered yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, Romans 12.1. You can attract more of God's presence by allowing Him to do the work of holiness in your life. With the power of His Spirit and His transforming grace, you can walk in the beauty of holiness as you worship and honor Him. He will change you through and through from the inside out. See, John had been in several rehabilitation centers, mental hospitals, and only had a third grade reading level. We found that tutor to help him learn to read and write so he could study the Bible for himself. His first volunteer project at my office was to put our Rolodex in alphabetical order. When John was told he had only six months to live, a tutor might have seemed as an extravagance. But John lived for another four years and became an integral part of our ministry. You see, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a merry heart does good like medicine, Scripture says. We need to help him have a vision of hope beyond his current circumstances. And there's a good point in that for all of us. We need to keep our vision of destination, our vision of hope on the Lord, rather than just looking at the circumstances we might be going through right now. You see, for him, we made a multi-purpose room filled with boxes and equipment available to him and anyone else who wandered in. In it, we placed a donated television a VCR. I better stop on that one because many of you listening are going, what's a VCR? (laughs) And stacks of Christian teaching tapes also we placed out in that room, like those found in the homes of many Christians. Those tapes were a tool to help disciple John and others when we were busy doing other things, but didn't want to miss those moments of opportunity as they were soaking and saturating themselves in God's word in our offices. And then one-on-one discipleship occurred in the evenings. Soon John and others began to volunteer to help with mailings and then to reach out to others for us. Through John and his ministry, God opened doors for the salvation of many others who needed freedom from various bondages and addictions. Five prayer and discipleship groups sprang up out of that. Close friendships developed between John and several people, including Gabby Zoltau, a missionary from Germany who moved to Houston and joined our staff. Gabby now serves as a pastor of prayer and intercession at Houston's Encourager Church, and she travels abroad extensively, reproducing the DNA of the ministry as she teaches on prayer. As John's body deteriorated from HIV and AIDS, his light continued to shine brighter and brighter. He opened his home to some and continued to witness with us. He went on numerous missions trips, even as his body wasted away. See, John's T-cell count was only 23 and he weighed just 80 pounds when he asked one of our ministers to take him to buy five new shirts, which he washed and ironed himself to attend what would become his last conference with us. At the conference, he encouraged each of us to do what God says, to set aside differences and combine our efforts to reach others like him who only needed an opportunity to hear the gospel, to hear the truth. He battled every breath and every word gripped our hearts. At that conference, John shared one of his favorite quotes by Andrew Murray, who lived 1828 to 1917. He was a preacher in Scotland and South Africa. He said, Give up on no man as long as he is alive. 
until he is laid in the grave, give up on no man. After John said this, he looked at a few of us and said, I thank God that Doug and George and all my spiritual family here did not give up on me. At each of these annual conferences, what we call the Spiritual Impact Conference and Evangelism Conferences back in those days, we focus on specific themes such as revival equates into changed lives or evangelism is an outcome of relationship or the kingdom of God is built on relationships. And we stress that we must become part of something bigger than ourselves. We had workshops that equipped Christians in the marketplace, pastors, missionaries, other ministers. We challenged each other as we participated to submit to our local congregations, to work with various other ministries and churches, to exercise spiritual warfare, and to stand in the gap for souls, and to look beyond their immediate communities to impact the entire city. The mission statement for our ministry at the time, which was Turning Point Ministries International, had birthed also what was known now as Somebody Cares Houston, Somebody Cares America, with chapters across the nation, affiliate churches and missions and missions organizations, and Somebody Cares International. And our theme was preparing a people for the coming of the Lord through a message of consecration, commitment, and action. And for years, we have challenged those in our ministry to personally commit to that motto, a call to consecration, commitment, and action. Many who came through our ministry in the early days tell us how this is something that has stuck with them and impacted their decision to this very day. The Lord is calling for a united church. I'm not talking about uniformity, because uniformity is being like clones of modern-day Christianity. But I'm talking about unity that comes from the Lord, and we become part of something bigger than ourselves. But it does require a message of, one, consecration, being separated unto God, recognizing His holiness, our own unrighteousness, and yet His amazing grace. Commitment, not just romancing God and His work, but acknowledging our responsibility to walk in simple obedience to Him, which is the highest form of worship, and letting that knowledge provoke us into a place of action. And action, turning our responsibility into concrete obedience, something bigger than ourselves, to be a tangible expression of Christ in our communities and beyond. From our individual relationships with the Lord, we commit to be available for His service. We must move beyond declarations and proclamations into action and become a tangible expression of Christ. Then we can reunite as the body of Christ and take action to reach out with the gospel of good news. When we do these things, I believe the Lord will impact our communities. But it takes prayer, diligence, intentionality, and consistency to see breakthroughs. We see communities change as the church agrees to work together for the common purpose of reaching the lost and the hurting and the unchurched. There is hope for our generation, and we're called to share that hope. But seeing God's kingdom built requires sacrificing, dying to our own self, our own self-absorption, our self-righteousness, our self-centeredness, dying to our own rights and agendas. To fulfill our purpose of leading a generation to Christ, not only must we be reconciled to God, but we must also be reconciled to one another. In a, in a world and culture of such divisiveness today, we need to be together at the centrality of the cross, recognizing that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testament. If it wasn't by the grace of God, so go we. The world is looking for answers, and God will draw them to us for those answers as they see our love for Him and for one another. You see, revival will not come unless we are willing to get past the things that have hindered our relationships with the Lord and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If we want true revival, 
Are we willing to work with brothers and sisters crossing our denominational, ethnic, and generational lines to meet at the cross together? You see, we must be willing to get past differences within the body of Christ. And most important, we must be in a right relationship with God. Yes, the legacy of lives impacted and changed through your life and ministry will last when we become part of something bigger than ourselves. If you need prayer today, we would love to join our faith with yours and lift those needs up to the Lord. You can email prayer at somebodycares.org or call our 24-hour prayer line, 855-459-2273. Again, that number is 855-459-2273. And be sure to keep up with the net that works by signing up for email updates at somebodycares.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.